This is JimPenzo.com e-news number 318, the 26th of September 2013. This e-news is read by Jim's text-to-speech robot, Mac Jimbo, or Mac Jimbot, if you prefer. As usual, there are five items and three feedbacks in this issue of e-news. Item 1. Mobile devices will hit the factory floor. Just this month I attended the annual Automation Control Products, ACP, conference. The primary objective was the introduction of the new ACP mobile technology software called Relevance. I presented the keynote, Mobile Devices Will Hit the Factory Floor, to an audience that was mostly experienced factory and process controls people, mostly hard-nosed plant engineer types. Relevance has clear and immediate benefits and advantages. This is what the software provides, applications, content delivered to factory people with relevance to their location, skill set and the events occurring around them. The old paradigm is fixed, tethered operator stations with way too much data and too little relevant information. This is fast becoming obsolete. It's an industrial evolution that's quickly becoming a revolution. A rapid paradigm shift is occurring in the factory. Other entrenched HMI software businesses are staying afloat primarily by trying to maintain their steadily declining installed base. Alarm bells are ringing for their sales channels. Item 2. History of Wonderware and Triconics. This new book is the true story of how Triconics and Wonderware changed the world. It is a collection of timelines, anecdotes and photos about two iconic companies founded in Orange County, California, just a couple of hours drive from where I live. The book starts with the founding of Triconics in 1983, with technology that relates to fail-safe industrial computers. It was a decade before Triconics raised capital and then went public. In 1995, it was acquired for $90 million by CB, which later became Invencies. Many growth companies are born when the founder is fired. This is where the stories of Triconics and Wonderware are linked. Dennis Morin was a software guy at Triconics who was fired during reorganization in 1986. He was a classic ideas man, brimming with enthusiasm. He conceived Wonderware in touch, human-machine interface for the industrial environment. Wonderware was born with bold advertising in the state ISA magazine. It's not underwear. With pictures of bras and panties. On the next page, it's Wonderware. This was the bold and brash Dennis Morin. The company took over the boring annual ISA shows with gigantic booths and Hollywood-style parties. It went public in July 1993. By 1995 it was $55 million and still growing. By now Dennis Morin was ready to retire. Roy Slavin came in as CEO. But the two did not get on at all and Dennis exited. The company was sold to CB in Venzas in 1998 for a heavy price, $375 million. Sadly, my friend Dennis Morin died on December 31, 2012. He will be missed by many. Let me continue the Wonderware story. With the central brains and planning move to Massachusetts, the company languished under a succession of middle managers. 
the strong distributor companies had taken on the Wonderware name in their regions and they continued to thrive. Today they are very dependent on disproportionately large Wonderware revenues. But, the software is getting pretty old and overly dependent on renewals. Invenses and Wonderware have now been acquired by Schneider, the large France-based company. Wonderware employees, as well as the distributor channels, are anxiously waiting to see what Schneider will do. Will Schneider they keep Wonderware? Or sell it off? Item 3. Manufacturing Futures Some three decades ago, when American automakers felt threatened by Japanese competition, they had a vision of beating their rivals with lights-out manufacturing, highly automated factories with robots building cars on their own. It was imagined that work weeks would be reduced with much more leisure time. But competitive globalization had not been taken into account. Today, reduced headcount and increased leisure are not options. Remaining employees are working harder than ever. As Yogi Berra said, it's deja vu all over again. Many of the new production methods in the next manufacturing revolution will require fewer people working in factories. Some lights-out manufacturing is now possible. As manufacturing transforms into a high-tech workplace, the new generation of automation engineers and technicians will be completely different than the factory workers of yesteryear. Tech power will trump everything else. Today's young people are smart and even brash. If they can be attracted, they are the ones who will be the automation engineers and technicians of tomorrow. Future workplaces, the equivalent of factories, will be bright and stimulating places where people enjoy working and jobs are challenging and rewarding. The continuing manufacturing drive will be to make more with less, pack more information and knowledge into less matter, using less energy while making more effective products. Jobs will keep moving from manipulating matter to playing with information and ideas. Item 4 The Tools of Futurism More than a decade ago, I sold the company I founded and retired. I've always been a technology buff and decided to become a technology futurist. My future-related writings have paved the way. While it's impossible to know the future, it is indeed possible to measure trends and make projections. The goal is to project and anticipate changes, recognizing all the factors which might bring about paradigm shifts. To quote Yogi Berra again, prediction is very hard, especially when it's about the future. I've been a technology futurist now for well over a decade and I'm a founding member of US-based Association of Professional Futurists. Beyond just the US, I've been invited to speak all over the world, Australia, South Africa, Brazil, Chile, the UK, Europe. If you'd like me to speak on Tech Futures for any event you're involved with, please get in touch. Item 5 Reflections on India Trip, 2013 India is a country of contrast which stresses all of your senses. Prosperity coexists with poverty, palaces with slums, abundance and scarcity, splendor and squalor, fragrance and stench, purity and filth, noise and tranquility, cacophony and calmness, 
harmony and harshness. The street where I had lived in Bangalore, once a quiet, tree-lined avenue, was now engulfed by dense crowds, loud noise and continuously streaming traffic constantly beeping for attention. Traffic is complicated by holy cows walking casually on busy streets, grazing on garbage. If you don't watch out, you may step in, holy shit, we saw cows asleep in the middle of the street. The pleasant smells of a dozen savory snacks being fried right on the pavement commingled with the pervasive stench of urine. Next to my old home was a wall with the stenciled words, do not urine here, and a man was urinating right next to the sign. I realized my changed perceptions. I was now seeing my hometown with foreign eyes. My family doesn't really see this. They shelter themselves, blocking out the noise and smells. Perhaps the harsh outside draws them closer together, making family bonds strong. It seems to me that India has one major problem. Uncontrolled overpopulation. As fast as the beautiful new airports and fancy condos get built, population encroaches and garbage overwhelms. India's population is now 1.25 billion and will overtake China's 1.35 billion much sooner than expected. The best brains in India are working on these problems. Here's my view from my Indian-American perspective. Both India and America were once British colonies. But America started with immigrants, with an eclectic culture. India went into colonialism with a rich heritage, but also with centuries of baggage, class problems, corruption, ingrained culture that provided cohesiveness, but accepted problems. Acceptance is part cultural and part religious. It remains at the core of India's current dilemmas. Point to consider. In America, we have it so good that we keep nitpicking. In India, they know the bad things and keep emphasizing the good. As usual, there were three feedbacks in this issue of A News. Feedback 1. Dick Caro the field boss and industrial networking guru comments on the acquisition of Invencies by Schneider. Writes Dick. You may not remember the history of Modicon. Long before Schneider acquired it, Gould was the owner. Quickly it became the Gould Automation Group and the Modicon name was relegated to only a product line brand name. Sales plummeted and Gould sold it off. Schneider bought it. Their first moves were to restore the Modicon brand name. I hope that Schneider continues to recognize the brand name equity they purchased with Foxborough, Wonderware, and Triconics. They need a chance to function free from the narrow-minded restrictive management under Invencies. Feedback 2 Darren Jensen writes about my comments on Eric Drexler's book. Says Darren. I am skeptical of any theory about radical abundance and an end to economic scarcity. I think Malthus had the essence right in his essay on the principle of population. Humans will reproduce at a rate that is limited only by misery and vice. The last century has been a condition of radical abundance relative to all former periods. By all rights, there should be no economic scarcity today. Yet, somehow scarcity remains. Does Mr. Draxler address this in his book? If he does not, then he avoids a fundamental issue.
Feedback 3. Caston Dillon has two young sons and likes the news item about colleges becoming obsolete. Caston comments. I am hoping that by the time my kids are ready, rather than spend $500,000 to send them to college, I will take the money and use it to cruise. They can take courses online while seeing the world from a sailboat. The big argument from my friends most with college-age kids, is that college is the experience. Heck, the experience is like summer camp with some studies mixed in, at most colleges, not all, and costs a fortune. Degrees have become a dime a dozen and don't get jobs. Look at all the highly successful people, not college graduates, in industry. The Internet could save my retirement in 16 years. Well, that's this issue of e-news. Please send us your feedback. Send your email to jim at jimpinto.com. Thank you for listening.